The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Of course, we've got to start again with uh, RTE. Four hours of my life I won't get back again after yesterday's performance at the Oireachtas uh, Media Committee, whereby uh, an assortment of RTE heads uh, were in and out. And they discussed everything from Bosco to the Toy Show musical to D Forbes exit, uh, its culture, its governance. And I don't know how much wiser we are. Joining me in studio um, is Finn O'Sheen, Ireland editor with the Irish Independent, who writes today about Balderdash. And I suppose not many people remember Frank Hall's Ballymagash. I remember as well, the Minister for Hardship and all that. Seamus Dooley, Irish Secretary of the National Union of Journalists. But joining us on the, they're in studio with me and they're welcome. Uh, Christopher O'Sullivan, Fianna Fáil TD for Cork Southwest, and a member of that committee asking questions. Were you satisfied with the answers, Chris? Uh, far from it, Ivan. Uh, far from it. I think there were, the executive um, board in particular, they went into defensive mode uh, very much at the outset. There was this attitude of um, the former director general knew everything. We knew very little. Uh, how could we be culpable in, in, in anything that that happened here? There was a kind of, what I would describe as, as an insincere effort at uh, apologies, uh, but in, in at every opportunity, uh, particularly the, the, the CFO, um, and the and Adrian Lynch would double down, and of course of they they had they had additional alibis as well as D Forbes. Breed O'Keefe was the CFO, as she was blamed for a lot. Of course, it was all dealt with it. And the previous commercial officer uh, Fiona O'Shea was also alluded to. So they had loads of alibis lined up. Tell me this: the performance of the chairperson. I, I I have to say this bluntly. I thought she was lost at sea. I thought she was out of her depth. I thought it was incredible. As a former minister myself, the first thing you have with any state body under your aegis is you ring up the secretary of the department and you cover your own ass. Every civil servant has a career manual, CYA, cover your ass. What you do is you send the manure up the line, say, well, of course, we informed the minister. How the chairperson could have meetings with the minister, appear on air and reveal none of the D Forbes exit. Just, it just, it wasn't even in their own interest. Did that make I, I any thought, sense to you? I thought there was an extor- extraordinary moment as well with uh, the chairperson. I mean, she, I, I think you described it well from what the term I was going to use was like she was caught in headlights, uh, almost stunned. Uh, and there was an extraordinary moment when uh, Deputy Brendan Griffin put a question to her. Um, actually, Matthew McGrath put a question earlier as well, but not directed to- towards um, the, the the chair. But she put, he put the question that, you know, um, how could you accept the resignation when you knew she was a key witness um, and you knew that, that, that the former Director General would have many of the answers to the questions that we're asking here today. An extraordinary, uh, and I can't quote her verbatim, but she said something like, you know, yeah, maybe in hindsight, that's something that we should have considered. They just didn't and think I, I, that through. It, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was jaw-dropping. And actually, if, if I could touch on one of the things you said, said there, Ivan, you, you were a former minister, and, and you know that this whole thing of, you know, someone in my office saw this email, but uh, I didn't see it. That doesn't wash. And we've actually seen ministers fall on the sword because of that issue before. But that's exactly what the head of commercial was trying to say in relation to these invoices that were raised. She was saying that, um, yes, I was aware that the invoices for were pertained to Ryan Toberley, these two €75,000 invoices. Uh, but she can't remember whether she saw the word consultancy fees. And I, I was pushing her on that. I, I, I said, surely, if you knew that these invoices for Mr. Toberty, um, you know, 
surely the, the, the term consultancy fees would have jumped out of you because in the end of the day, what consultancy would Ryan Tuberty be providing for RT? And her answer to that was, you know, someone in my office would have raised it. I mean, that that doesn't wash. There has to be some level of accountability, some level of oversight. And you use the ministerial analogy there. We've seen ministers um, go before because someone in their office saw an email and they claim that they didn't see it. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't add up. There has to be that oversight. There's a complete lack of questioning. And I think that's something that the PAC should focus on today in relation to Geraldine O'Leary, the head of, head of commercial. Yeah, and I'm sure that the barter account will get a much closer scrutiny today. Uh, just in the corridors of power, I thought Leo had the most damning statement before they ever opened their mouth, that they just weren't credible in terms of only D Forbes knowing. The minister, in the middle of this Oireachtas, coming out with a statement last night, basically having no confidence in them. What has been said in the corridors with government backbenchers and opposition and so on. How, how, like the, the, the review has to be, we await the detail of it. Like what is the feeling in Leinster House? I think the, the, the reaction to yesterday's uh, uh, committee meeting, obviously there was, there, there were some moments of shock. I think in many ways there was, there were some missed opportunities, but I think what, what's happened really is that the media committee has essentially prized open opportunities for the, Public Accounts Committee, which be very much, I suppose, more used to... The real to, waterboarding and, and will happen today, will it? <laughs> I, 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 do, I do expect so, but you mentioned that the, 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 the Taoiseach's comment there in relation to the credibility. I mean, it does, it, it, it seems so obvious to me, even on reading the statement, and more so yesterday, that there was this, uh, the, the, the convenience of being able to lay blame or um, at the former DG, at the former CFO, at people who are no longer on the executive board and hey guys, you know, anyone who's left here, we're grand, there's nothing to see here, let's move on. Okay. That really, that, that's what's been talked about in the, in, in the, the halls of Linstrow. Okay, all right. Uh, Christopher Sullivan, Fianna Fáil, uh, TD and member of the committee from Cork South West, thank you for joining. Uh, Finon and, and, and Seamus, welcome. Uh, can you clear up one thing for me, Finon? This 120 grand... No. From, no, 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 because no, now it appears no. it wasn't paid even. It was credited to some <clears> way to... I mean, like, sorry, after all of Deloitte, all of Grant Thornton, they seem to be no wiser about this 120 grand. So, Deloitte finds the issue with the 75 grands from Renault and RT. Grand, okay. Uh, Grant Thornton come in to, to double-check that. That's fine. Then RT do an internal review looking back over previous years, 2017, 2019, they find what Matthew McGrath called 50-50-20 in there. There was 120 grand uh, there, uh, which seemed to be paid to Ryan Tuberty in each of the years, 2017, 18 and 19. So that seemed to be quite clear. Then yesterday, it was less than clear. Apparently, Ryan Tuberty was due a loyalty bonus of 120 grand but that wasn't paid but there was 120 grand credited to his well, what account does I don't have no idea I mean I a, no a, idea. a credit I mean, is the, usually the, a credit transfer the, the chief financial officer is basically saying the loyalty bonus wasn't paid but there was a credit to his account of 120 grand over three years and now we have Grant Thornton okay. back in and it'll take Grant Thornton four weeks by the way <laughs> to get to so to you the can't answer that okay. and Grant Thornton will be are, are currently in the building we're okay. told the exit mm. of D Forbes so the line of the committee was you shouldn't have got rid of her because that stopped her from going before the committee. Yeah, uh, That's a bit subjective. But Well, they I'm, said, yeah. did, did you not realise that people were going to want answers here and as the head of the organisation, you'd want them from her? 
which is a, 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 a pretty valid point. So basically, we're saying by her exiting, we're not getting answers. Yeah, public accountability perspective. So, but but, but, but in terms of her exit, mm. why would you go on the six one program? Why would you meet the minister and not say, by the way, uh, we're taking? Uh, it? Like, I mean, like, I mean, just in terms of your own personal survival, you know, the shareholder here is the minister effectively. Yeah. I mean, like any reporting to the shareholder, sorry, the chairperson is personally appointed by the minister. There must be some relationship there, mm. either informally or formally. Like, I would always cover my tracks. In other words, someone someone ring the sec, Jen, and just tell him mm. everything we know. And then we'll take advice. Give us a steer on what you think we should do. Should we get her out? Because that means if the manure hits the fan, you can at least say, well, we took advice on this. Yeah, and, and this actually goes back to March when this issue around Ryan Tuberty's payments uh, emerged through the, the Deloitte routine audit, as it's been called. Um, actions were taken and among the actions were we better notify the minister and the department. But there was no mention made of what exactly this issue was, just that an issue had arisen and that Grant Thornton had been commissioned to, to look at it. So then we jump forward in our, in our timeline. So uh, here's the crucial dates. Thursday, June fifteenth, D Forbes has her going away party in Donnybrook, in, in, Donnybrook, yeah. in Arthur Main's pub there in the middle of Donnybrook beside the stadium. The following day, the Grant Thornton review lands on the desk of the Audit and Risk Committee. Shuni Rally goes to D Forbes about it. They have a conversation and Shuni Rally tells her she should she should resign. The following Monday onwards But she refuses. <coughs> she refuses. The following Monday onwards, RTE are insisting that D Forbes has not left the organization, that she's just on annual leave ahead of her departure uh, on the, the 9th uh, of July. That continues on through the week. On the Thursday, they're they're report of RTE finally come clean on what's going on here. Shuni Rally, the RTE chair, goes on the 6-1 news with Dr. Dave McCullough, is, is extensively questioned, fails to mention what emerges the following day, which actually is that D Forbes had been suspended the previous day. She then, on that's the Friday, then the Saturday she meets with Catherine Martin about this crisis, doesn't mention anything about D4 has been asked uh, to resign, which only comes out yesterday. So, you know, bad enough to be misleading the no, public. Well, I, she obviously but, has no but, experience but, as a chair of a Well, a, a she state does body. because she's been in, she's been in TG Cahar, So, But in this type of leadership role, was she? Okay, she yeah, was. Yeah, 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 she was chair I mean, of TG yeah, Cahar. Yeah. Like this, that's, that's, that's even worse for her then. Uh, actually, I, I don't speak for her on this. I think that they made a serious mistake in not announcing that she had been suspended. This is Seamus Dooley of the NUJ. That, that she had not been suspended. That should have been announced. But the cute tourism of bringing the Secretary General, who I'm delighted to say as a woman, you automatically assumed it was a man, yeah. um, that in some way that you tell them that that's going on, on or off the record, I can see as a trade union official who insists on due process why this may not have happened. Uh, because I think it is one thing, to, because if you ask someone for a resignation and they refuse, there's a clear indication that the next step is a disciplinary process and there may be a timing issue in when you present that information to the minister because once you tell the minister you have done that, you're pretty much, the director general is toast at that stage without any process. Well, my point is if you allow a false line to develop between a chairman of a state body and the line minister, not to speak yeah. of the Taoiseach, you're actually going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, the, oh, that's no, the real oh, politique of it. Caveat. I agree with Seamus there. And effectively, they're implicitly saying, well, we were worried it would leak out for the ministers. That, that's, yeah. a, that's a separate matter. But once D Forbes has resigned, 
there's no reason you can't go back to the minister then. Yes, so the exactly. minister isn't yeah. watching the telly yesterday yeah. going, what? Yeah, yeah no, I, 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 I would here. agree with that. So let, let's go to, to, first of all, your reaction to yesterday, Shane. Yes. Yeah. Well, my own view, I, I had said yesterday that going into it, we knew what happened. We sort of knew who made it happen, but we didn't know the why. And we still don't know the why for many of these practices. Well, uh, I think, uh, and I, I, see, I see different people asking that question. It's blindingly obvious the why. They, they had set out a line that they were bringing the big earners into line. And the truth of it was that there was a cover up of it. That's, that, yeah, that's the why. They didn't, yeah. well, they the didn't bigger, want to get caught out on that. Well, the bigger why for me, yeah. uh, and I would make a point here, is that what yesterday did show the circle of influence here and you know I would make the point on air that you're part of the circle because you're also attached to Noel Kelly That's right. and I think that that should be declared yeah. by everyone Absolutely. and I actually the why for me is why does the public sector or a public service broadcaster need a Noel Kelly figure and I don't mean Noel because there are other talent agents yeah. as well to conduct their own but, business but with their the own But the BBC staff. would have the yeah, same issue. I'm only interested in RTE. I actually think that the whole level of influence of the, of this particular talent agency is something which is going to have to be examined. But sorry, and, I, and all of these structures, you add the no, one. No, no, James, it's, it's a no brainer. The simple thing oh, is this. A, I, all, no, all the agents get 15%. They are incentivized whether you're doing an event, whether you're doing a gig, or whether you're doing a broadcast, whether you're writing a book or you're a brand ambassador. Their job is to drive revenue. In other words, if I can negotiate without an agent on my own, the only reason I go to an agent is they'll get you more. Yeah. And they would have rugby players, they would have everybody and they'd be dealing with brand ambassadors, corporate ambassadors and so on. And that is a market feature of the economy. What's at issue here is what Robert Short said yesterday, which I I thought that was the most insightful contribution, where he said previously the commercial income exceeded the national income. On the last published accounts, the the 196 million came from from the licence fee. Commercial income was 148. And his assessment of it, and he's a pretty shrewd judge, was that commercial was going to go down. So my question to you is this. In the context of public service broadcasting, in the context of licence, what will be the fallout, in your opinion, representing journalism? Well, I I think that this does, we've been calling for a long time for re-examination of public service broadcasting. I think the reliance of a public service broadcaster on a commercial relationship is not good. I don't think it makes sense. And I actually think that I was impressed yesterday by the commission and passion of the committee members, but this committee has consistently dodged the issue, as politicians have, because it's not popular to look at funding of the licence fee and the collection of the licence fee system. So there's the backdrop of that. Journalism, of course, is changing. There's also the Future Media Commission report is very clear that public interest journalism is not just RTE, it's not just TG Carr, and it's not just the state funded. And there are opportunities. But what do you think, you know, this time next year, the fallout of this whole debacle will be? You know, Ryan might be gone, DGs may come and go, chairpersons may come and go. What do you think will be the lasting legacy of this for journalism? Uh, RTE will survive as a public service broadcaster because it will survive 
through good journalism. Independent newspapers survived the hacking of phones by its own owners through excellent journalism. The Independent, the Irish Times, survived a financial crisis during the reform of the of after during the Major MacDowell era, era because of good journalism. So what we need to do is to make sure that the corporate structures are put in place to allow people make news rather than make headlines. Okay. Finon, do, do you, in terms of reading the room here, uh, like, uh, I, I think it's open season for politicians to kind of beat up on RT. There has been no political appetite to increase 160. I mean, I just see no appetite for that. And, you know, the one recommendation that was the most important of the commission was actually the Exchequer would take over funding of RTE. But that was ludicrous. They, and they rejected it day but one. But that was an, yeah, idi- an idiotic suggestion. And sorry, the whole D Forbes era was based on give us more and, and it's failed. And so, in other words, if commercial revenue goes down for RTE, if everything is becoming more fragmented with digitalisation, surely, surely <clears throat> the media itself is somewhat imperiled. Yeah, and the... The difficulty that RTE have now is that this greater level of scrutiny that is now going to come uh, is, is going to have consequences. The board is going to be strengthened, corporate governance is going to be strengthened, but there is a cost in on the other side that you there is good and valid reasons in terms of the autonomy of a, of a state broadcaster that you don't want politically appointed chairs and members of boards having too much power in terms of being able to to to, uh, you can find hold them to account uh, on their on their on the accounting side, but you don't necessarily want to be able to hold them to account on the editorial side in terms of the decisions that they're making on their coverage. I'm not too sure we would have been happy during the Charlie Ahi era, for example, that the RT chair would have the power that the RT chair is going to have in about six weeks' time or, uh, or something like that, because you'd basically be able to say, are they now able to muscle? Uh, well, they the, can't the be political apparatchiks, uh, you know. Uh, well, sorry, after, after this entire affair, there is there is very definitely going to be more powers attached to the RT board and the RT chair. Moya Doherty, who appears before the, the PSC yeah. today, said quite clearly she didn't have oversight over decisions like this, despite the fact that she was the chair, that the power was with, what was with the executive. Now we're basically seeing that there was all sorts of failures there. So there's going to be a layer put in on top of them. And, That's not necessarily good Ivan, from the Chairman, public perspective. And I think, Ivan, this is the contradiction. Your earlier advice was that a good chair would pick up the word, the phone to the sec gen and have a quiet word, formally or informally. Or cover, seek advice. Or, or, no, no, you said cover your arse. Yeah, no, sorry, and, that's and, what I meant. That's and, what I meant. No, you didn't. You were right the first time. So, so the, point, the point there is you have to strike that balance and there's a very difficult thing there. I mean, there, it is... You know, the, the phrase had been used by the committee that what they heard is unbelievable. As someone who deals with RT all the time, I find it entirely believable because the maladministration... That indicates a level of dysfunction. There is a level of dysfunction. There is a, well, this is a state broadcaster which uh, for 20 years ignored the issue of bogus self-employment which the RT trade union group raised with its management couldn't raise it in here because we're not letting the door. But the reality is uh, that, so I can't represent you. So, but, <laughs> but, but the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is that we raise that with politicians as well. And the bogus self-employment thing, this is a public sector organisation which is in breach of employment 
legislation and they know it. They're employing people on bogus oh, right, and yeah. they end up they end up Actually that was very revealing the monies they've put exactly. aside for the revenue commissioners uh, for and, bogus self employment. They've made one point two million and they've and they wouldn't say how much they say but it's actually a multiple of that two, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Two days ago they published a report on Resolve, which is an investigation and only RTU would use the phrase a climate a uh, uh, temperature check on the climate within current affairs, which expose real problems. And what do RTU do after commissioning the report? They refuse to release it and we have to go to an impro- the information commissioner to get our own report. That's dysfunctional. Okay, fi- 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 final uh, point, the future of uh, Ryan Tuberty. Your colleague Kirsty rang me and I said, I'm increasingly personally coming to you because I ask everybody this question, will he ever be back on RTE? And I thought after yesterday the statements issued by Ryan himself and RTE that a fissure was developing and that the uh, wisdom of the executive team is they've come to the view to make this go away Ryan has to go away and it's the most expedient thing for them to do to to do that where are you on that uh, well, well, very definitely, they're, they're quite clearly drawing a line in the sand and saying your old contract is gone. There's going to have to be a new contract negotiation if you're ever to return. I thought what was damaging over the last couple of days was the language used uh, by the, the RTE executive in terms of the demands that were made during, not just during the, the, the wage negotiations in terms of forcing uh, issues through, but also in terms of, of then stumping up the cash. There's a repeated reference to... The guarantee. The guarantee that that should never have been placed in the first place, that there was substantial pushback from RT that was being demanded by Ryan Tory. But even, you know, subsequent to that, there was language used in the statement the other day, chasing payment. Geraldine O'Leary, the Commission Director, yeah. says yes, talks yesterday about uh, substantial pressure being applied to, to pay this money. That None of that reflected well uh, upon Ryan Tuberty, uh at, at, at all uh, in that regard. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's certainly not this side of the summer and maybe they'd just let the, the hair sit and, and see how all things right. go in the autumn. Well, it's half one again today, PAC, uh, and they tend to be a little bit tougher and, uh, you know, remember Angela and all of that? Uh, that was all PAC. My sincere thanks to coming into studio, Finnoan Sheen, Ireland editor of the Irish Independent, Seamus Dooley, the Irish Secretary of the National uh, Union of Journalists. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.